0: Reaching across the country for the biggest sports news this weekend. From Atlanta to Seattle, from Boston to L.A., this is Big Sports Radio.
1: That's right, we are Big Sports Radio, Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy. Uh, We got uh, Joshua Ewing here working audio for us. We always appreciate his efforts. Uh, Boy, we're into uh, middle of May. We got past the Derby. Congrats to Mage. Uh, But we're going to talk about uh, the other stuff here later on in terms of uh, just the horse deaths. It just was not a a pleasant week overall at Churchill Downs. But that was then. Uh, Right now, it's a scandal um, at Iowa and Iowa State's. Mike, this is this is crazy. I mean, you know, between the two schools, several dozen players being looked at um, for possible uh, betting on games.
2: Yeah, betting on games is is the danger zone, and I'm going to go a little esoteric for people here, but it really goes back to the early 1900s, and professional wrestling was actually a real sport, and then they found out that a champion had gotten hurt and blown a knee out, and then bet a ton of money on his challenger while hiding the injury. And then when fans found out that not only had he lost, but he had bet on his opponent, professional wrestling went from a real sport, and God knows it had to be boring as heck to watch two guys rolling around for, you know, 20 minutes. (laughs) But it went from a real sport to a fake sport, and that's why Commissioner Landis was so tough on the black Sox, He didn't want fans to think that the sport was fixed or it had a pre, you know, predetermined outcome. And I don't care what sport you're in when your athletes get into a position where they're betting, whether it's on their own sport or even doing it in a way that might put them, you know, at risk to, to maybe pay off debts and have to do extreme things. The, the, the people who run a sport have to really react strongly to it, and I think this is a situation that hopefully is not nearly that deep that they can find out, you know, hey, it's through, you know, something like DraftKings, and it's not their sport, and people can get in trouble and, you know, get in and out of trouble relatively quickly, but this is a very serious thing to the, to the credibility of the game as a whole.
1: Yeah, and and to if you need to look any further in terms of what the sporting world thinks of gambling, think about it again. Um, you know, I always go back to the Michael Vick thing, and I made this comment when I was at CNN, and and you know, boy, we had to. Uh, I mean, I was chest deep in the Vick scandal back then. Um, there's a reason Michael Vick uh, made sure his attorneys kept the words gambling and racketeering and anything it had to do with you know odds making or betting out of his of his plea agreement when he pleaded guilty to animal cruelty and listen i'm not trying to bust on animals i'm not trying to nothing like that i'm not saying that it's okay to abuse animals my point is that in the sporting world you can do almost anything and still play you can't bet that's the issue ask pete rose ask shoeless joe ask alex karras um you know we've had we've had nfl players actually kill somebody and still come back and play. So, you know, to your point, that's the one thing that you just can't do. Hey, we'll get more insight on this with uh, Tom Caker, a friend from HawkeyeReport.com is going to join us here in just a few minutes and talk more about um, what he knows about kind of how this came about. And we can't wait to get the backstory uh, from him. Um, another story in the Big Ten this week, um, name, image, likeness. We touched on last week briefly that Hunter Dickinson, uh, the outstanding three-year starting center for Michigan, had entered the transfer portal made his choice going to Kansas and some of the rumors were that he he got about a million dollars in NIL money, right? Well, Dickinson this week is saying that his last season at Michigan, his junior year, his NIL take was less than a hundred thousand. Now we don't know Micah that's true and we're never gonna know because those things aren't reported. Um but if it is accurate, that seems really low uh for Michigan.
2: Yeah, you know, the, the whole NIL thing is very hard to judge. Because you're in a situation where, you know, a school doesn't want to look cheap. So if somebody's going to say that they've offered more money, you know, if the school can put a, you know, like we offered X, even if it's not that much, it makes the school look like a big player. Um, And and of course, uh, you know, a prospective uh, kid, you know, who's, who he would rather tell all all his friends, you know, Hey, they offered me a million. Well, that sounds better than they offered me 200,000. So there's a, there's a logical reason to inflate numbers here. And so I take all these numbers with a grain of salt, but I do have to wonder, and I'm not at all saying that Hunter's not being honest, but is this a truth he really needs to tell? Um, because it does kind of hurt Michigan, you know, if true and what's the point.
1: Well, that's that's kind of my thing. Why? And I think that's the one question that you know, we've kind of heard a little bit this week from different people. Given um, some people from schools that uh, were not chosen by Hunter Dickinson, who's an out, you know, very talented seven foot player, and um, you know, I think we agree fits well with Bill Self's high low offense out there with Lawrence. But you know, we've heard some things now about maybe just again character. Um, that's something that you hear uh, quite a bit about, um, and it didn't seem like Michigan tried to keep him. Um and maybe maybe I missed something. Did you see where Michigan made an attempt to to keep him around? I mean, once he entered, he was gone. And it was just, yeah, there, just not come back.
2: Yeah, you you wonder, you know, there are some coaches who basically come out and say that once you go into the portal, um, you're we're not really gonna deal with you. Um, I don't know behind the scenes what was going on with Jawan Howard, but publicly he certainly didn't make any effort to uh try to bring hunter back into the fold now again i'm not saying that it wasn't happening behind the scenes but it certainly appeared as though whatever um handling needed to be done with hunter they were tired of doing and and maybe it was just something as much as you know he's constantly having his podcast or giving interviews that I'm, again, he's very transparent, but as a coach, you don't want to put fuel on the fire of every opponent you play. And he was managing to do that for quite a few.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, you know, again, you think about, um, you know, as Dickinson leaves um, <clears throat> certainly a very good career, but again, it just feels like right now with Michigan fans, um, you know, they come out of COVID with the um, uh, they are awarded the big 10 championship um, by commissioner Warren uh, after not playing as many games as everybody else. Um, and they do reach the elite eight, but boy, the past two years now uh, for Michigan, uh, you know, they don't get out of the first weekend in 2022. They don't even make the tournament 2023 um, despite having um, some NBA talent there. You know, last year, two guys are one and dones. Um, you know, they leave and go into the second round of the draft. You may have two first rounders here that losing this year. So, You've got the players there, and you have to wonder if maybe you know Jawan Howard does it come to a time if you have one more year, Michigan man or not, they may be looking at you asking, "What have you done for me lately?"
2: Well, and and the other thing is, is you know sometimes fan expectations are the bane of your reality, and if people expected to win, and these last couple of years have not lived anywhere near to expectations, and and fans get frustrated, and it just happens to be when. When Hunter puts his name in, they're already frustrated from two years, and now it's like, oh, now he did this. I haven't won. Now he's going into the portal. To heck with him. And and it's, sometimes it's you're the guy who's happens to be the 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 one who. But it's just a bad sense of timing too.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the name I want to bring up very quickly before we uh, move on and uh, take a break and then get Tom in here to talk about uh, this Iowa gambling situation. Uh, Casey Thompson, starting quarterback for Nebraska, but a new coach coming in. And so he leaves and reunites with his original college football head coach, Tom Herman. He was at Texas and he recruited Casey out of high school. And now Casey joins him at Florida Atlantic. Of course, unless you've been sleeping under a rock, you know, Florida Atlantic. Um, made a mark in basketball uh, this season. But listen, FAU has been one that actually has been a part of Division One now for a while. And when you begin to look at their roster, they've got some talent down there. And now they've got a fifth-year quarterback um, who's done some things in his career and, and a, a veteran to lead that offense.
2: Yeah, I mean, and he's a, he's a high-risk, high-reward player. He's He's incredibly talented, but not real consistent. And now they've got to find a way to grad, you know, to see if they can catch some magic in a bottle. I think I think it's a nice move for Casey. And and if you've got, you know, Matt Rule coming into town and you know he's got some things he wants to do, maybe it's better for both the team and the player and everybody involved to have the quarterback from the previous regime break clean and 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 then you don't have that um you know that year of he's not my guy leading the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we uh, b- we wish uh, Casey uh, Thompson well down in uh, Boca Raton. Hey, keep it right here. We've got Brian Fonseca, the Rutgers Insider, coming up talking about the Scarlet Knights right now and what they need to do to try to break through uh, the Big Three or even Four in the Big Ten East uh, in the final year of the divisions before they kind of break things up. We'll also talk uh, Pac-12 media rights. Uh, boy, the conference, just can't get a deal. We'll talk about that as well. But up next, Tom Cakert of, Iowa, of uh, Hawkeye, Report.com, the Iowa Insider, with the details of this uh, little gambling probe they've got uh, there in Iowa. It's coming up here on Big Sports Radio.
3: If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or
4: private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-390-5160. 800 390 that's eight hundred three nine zero fifty one sixty.
0: They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com.
1: Right back here on the show. And one of the things we talked about earlier uh, was the 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 gambling scandal now in both Iowa and Iowa State. Tom Cakert of mm-hmm. HawkeyeReport.com has uh, been a great friend of the show, comes back now to give us some clarity on this. Uh, Tom, good to see you again. Um, let's just start from the top here. Um, boy, this came out, and again, not just uh, in Iowa City, but over in Ames as well. And we should say that actually gambling is legal in Iowa. We should say that off the top.
5: Yes, and it's um, unlike Illinois, where you can't bet on Illini games in the state of Illinois or Northwestern games or you know Illinois State or whoever, Northern Illinois. Um, in the state of Iowa, you can um, place wagers on the Hawkeyes and Cyclones, UNI Panthers, Drake Bulldogs, you can, you can do that. So it's, it's different. Every state is a little different. I think most states don't allow gambling on the in-state institutions, but Iowa does. Um, so Friday, um, Kyle Hughesman, who, who's, uh, one of our, our great porters was at the Iowa, Ohio state baseball game and, um, notices that, uh, that their best hitter, uh, Keaton Anthony is not in the lineup and, uh, starts kind of just asking some questions and cause he was at the, uh, the baseball team had their annual golf outing earlier during the day and there are pictures on social media of Keaton at the at the event so you know he's not hurt you know he's not sick did something happen on his you know you you just don't know and everybody kind of got quiet but then you start asking a little bit of questions and then eventually it gets to there's something to do with gambling and that's kind of where it started and frankly if wasn't playing baseball and it didn't involve Keaton. I don't know that we would know anything about this story at this point uh, at all because most of the other sports are out of season. Right. You know, the football we wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have known. In fact, um, from what I I understand um, as of like last night, um, Kirk Ferentz and Fran McCaffrey didn't even know which players on their teams are involved in this. I haven't even gotten that. They were maybe going to find out today, but I haven't heard anything, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's an interesting story. I should say off the top that the Iowa Gaming Commission has investigated this, and there is no indication that it involves, you know, guys placing bets on, football players placing bets on Iowa football games, Basketball players placing bets on Iowa games, Iowa basketball games, or uh, baseball players placing bets on Iowa baseball games, which pop up. I mean, they have, you know DraftKings, FanDuel, they have some of those college baseball lines up, and, and there was there's been no indication of that. In fact, they said they just and because the games, in fact, the games, the Ohio State Iowa games were available online uh, to to bet on this weekend. It was unlike the the Alabama LSU situation where those games were removed from being able to be bet on uh, because of what had gone on or what they were investigating there. Do you
2: think this is kind of one of the uh, snarls and that, that, you know, some ADs have been very hesitant to do anything regarding gambling. Josh Whitman at Illinois is one. Um, is is this something that may be just the tip of the iceberg that colleges are going to have to deal with uh, much more than they've ever had in the past?
5: Yeah, I think it is a big, um, big topic that they're going to have to deal with. I think it's, um, you know, frankly, there's there's some stuff out there about the um, a, a, a football player from West Virginia, not West Virginia, from Virginia Tech. Uh, that um, admitted to gambling on some betting on some uh, NBA games last year and got suspended for six games half the season. He lost for doing that. And I think um, the NCAA, which, you know, we know doesn't always make great decisions about things, but the way they're looking at sports gambling today um, is antiquated. It's based on an old system where um you know when we were growing up guys it was you could the only place you were going to place a bet there were two places it was las vegas where it was legal or you found a bookie right? right right you know that's that's the only places you could do it and that's not the way it is now in in let's be honest you know, all of these gambling apps, the the, the the place where you can, you know, bet rivers or wherever or DraftKings, they monitor all this stuff. So you have to register, you have to, you know, put all your data and information in there. You're, you know, you have to use a, a legit debit card to, to place money in the account. Um, it's not like DraftKings, if you, if you're starting to lose, the DraftKings is going to come break your legs, you know, uh, like or or compromise you like back in the day with some of these, you know the betting scandals of the past, where guys would get in in the in deep with uh, you know some some betting syndicate or whatever and and uh, have to try and dig their dig out of that hole and 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 be at their at, at been a need for those guys and doing things for them that were legal that compromise the integrity of games. i. I don't see it with this. I, I think you got to um, readjust things and how we look at this and yeah, just tell them, Hey, you can't bet on your team. You can't bet on your school. You can't bet on the sport that you're going to, that you're taking part in. Maybe you just say you don't bet on college sports period. If you're a college athlete, but you know, what's wrong with a 21 year old guy who's, who who's able to bet betting on, uh, on the, uh, Celtics and 76ers or the Warriors and the Lakers or the Cubs Cardinal game,
2: you know, it's, it probably would come back too. maybe to, you know, again, if you're doing it with a bookie, I think their argument would be yeah. that you, you, you lose, you might have some losses that you yeah. have somebody who wants to break your legs. So yeah. you'll shave, yeah. but yeah, but yeah there, I don't think DraftKings is doing that right now. Yeah.
5: No, DraftKings is just going to take your money, and that it's and when your money goes, when you lose all your money, yeah, as I do, you know, when you lose all your money, then you're just you just don't get the bet anymore until you reload. You know, that's just how it works. It's not like um, you can tell a bookie, hey, I, I'm going to, you know, you can't call up DraftKings and say, hey, I'm going to put 500 on on the the Cubs tonight against the Cardinals, and you can't do that. That's not how it works. You just got to put your own money in. They're not gonna. It's not like they're gonna take a marker for you. Talking
1: with Tom Kaker of HawkeyeReport.com right now. Again, uh, the source for Iowa Hawkeye sports and this gambling scandal going on uh, with the Iowa and Iowa State. You know, I'm with you guys, and I think that it's come to the point now. To your point that you know, even 10 years ago, you didn't have the apps and you didn't have the sophistication you do right now. Um, I remember I did a story years ago. In 2007, in Las Vegas, and the question was, um, will could pro sports play in Vegas? And I went in a skeptic. I came out a believer. I felt that it could. And they talked about then having a situation where, um, you know, you actually could. You know, this is again before smartphones were invented, where they said, you know, we could, we envision an arena where you can sit right there at your seat and your mm-hmm. and you can battle the game right there. Well, now you can have it. Look, guys, I was at the Kentucky Derby last week. Now, one of my yeah. one of my coworkers was on an app and bet on like every single race. Yeah. And he was betting trifectas and 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 you know, I mean, not just the Derby, but all the on the undercard, if you will. So, you know, it, it comes to a point that it's almost impossible to regulate. Um, and Tom, I, I really think it may come down to if you're an NCAA athlete, and you sign those those letters, um, you're banned from these apps. I just think that, you know, it's 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 too easy, I think, to to get to someone, not saying that these kids have done that. We're get to the point where it may be too easy to actually get in and influence someone with this because it is so accessible. I mean, you know, you could have a kid place a bed at halftime and then go back out in the field and play.
5: Yeah, you could, but, that, but here's the thing that, um, those companies are tracking all those all the time. Mm-hmm. That's how they're able to, that's how they were able to, um, to identify all these, um, people who are participating. Uh, from the University of Iowa and Iowa State is because the, you know, the geolocating, they can, they, and they know they have to register for these things. So they have to put down their name, their address, their social security number, uh, their bank accounts, all those things that have to go in there. So um, they're able to track them and they would know right away. It's just like the Alabama thing. They knew right away that, that there was some stuff going on because this guy the other thing that that pops up too is when you place an abnormally large amount of money on a Alabama lsu baseball game that probably, <laughs> is gonna, yeah. probably isn't gonna you know if, if there's a 50 dollar bet that's probably fairly significant and yeah. you know and that guy's throwing down um six figures or whatever it was, I don't know what it was, but um you know if he, if even five figures i mean it's just that's gonna draw attention. Yep. It's it's going to people are going to go, why is he betting that much on a on a weird college baseball game in the state of Ohio? So, um, yeah, I don't know where this is all going to lead. It just uh, it, the, the Gambling Commission doesn't seem to think it's it's nefarious kind of thing. And I, that, you know, they had a potential criminal conduct in the statement that was released yesterday from the university. And I think that's going to be some of these guys. In fact, we know that at least two of the baseball players who um, did not participate this past weekend are freshmen. So they are underage. They're not 21. So they mm-hmm. shouldn't be allowed to bet. So that's, that's, and it's a, it's like a misdemeanor. It's like a, you know, a ticket, basically. It's, it's a fine and uh, that you're placing bets illegally. It's a, no different than, you know, going to play slot machines and you're 18, and and you win, and then like, ah, oh, how am I gonna cash this out? You know, <laughs> exactly. Right? You know, because they're gonna ask you for an ID. Well, let, let's let's switch
2: gears a little bit because the Iowa football team's offense had had some challenges under Brian yeah. Ferens. They they even had some incredibly supportive uh, video messages to to help you know bring him back. What did the Iowa what was Iowa's pitch to former Ohio State wide receiver Caleb Brown that got him to come over to Iowa to help out? And secondly, is how formidable is Iowa's NIL machine
5: on the football side? It's been. We'll start with the the second part first because that's been pretty good uh, when you talk about the offense. And Iowa doesn't have. You know, there's no um, Shad Cons in Iowa City. <laughs> Guys like that, you know, the um, billionaire type folks that that yeah. can can make things happen and and you know have a million dollars fall out of their pocket and and uh, they don't even notice. You know, it's just um, so it's been a lot of grassroots work. Uh, been some, you know, a lot of work uh, just trying to build relationships, getting some some people involved and um, so they've kind of remade the offense in a lot of ways, getting Cade McNamara, getting Eric all getting uh, Caleb Brown, uh, the kid who was at, you know, he's at St. Rita kid. So um, getting him uh, getting offensive lineman. Uh, I should mention Seth Anderson, uh, another wide receiver. Uh, he's Flipper Anderson's uh, son. Who was that? Charleston Southern. They got Rusty Feth, who's an offensive lineman. They've got another offensive lineman, Dejon Parker, who was going to head to Virginia but picked Iowa. Um, so I just, I've been exchanging some messages with Caleb, and um, um, here's what he told me. He said, What impressed me most about Iowa was the personal connection between the staff and the players. I felt a part of the Iowa family right away, along with the all of the boxes they checked uh this is what i wanted for in my new home and um you know he he says that they're going to really feature him on offense so i think that's a big deal too that um you know kids want to kids want to play you know they want to be part of part of the offense part of something big um so um i, I think that was that was also really important to him coming in and because he's, you know, he's going to walk in and maybe be their best wide receiver. I know Nico Reggini is the most experienced guy, but um, Nico's more of a, you know, underneath possession kind of guy. He's not the guy that's going to take the top off. And, um, you know, it's a big recruiting win for Iowa because that was what was lacking right now was, just Wide receiver punch and this at least gets them going. And um, I don't know if they're even done yet, they may you know poke around, but the scholarship numbers are may may dictate that they they might be done. Uh, although they're not in like a Nebraska situation, I know Nebraska like two weeks ago was or three weeks ago was like at 97 scholarship players and they still had to get down to 85. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. I, how do you do that? I you know but it's like all these guys know they're they're supposed to be leaving so yeah anyway.
1: use the uh, Deon Thomas or the I'm sorry the Deon Sanders method get out <laughs>
5: yes, <laughs> make, yes. Make,
1: make it real clear real simple Deon Sanders coach prime and coach, uh,
5: coach <laughs> prime doesn't know my name i guess i might want to leave
1: yeah exactly <laughs> so like a major league the red cardian and bothers says yeah you you and you get out hey tom great to talk with you and give us some insight on this and um you know like you said it's it's one of those things that may lead to uh, some action by the NCAA? Will they? I mean, they should. Will they take action? We we only can wait and see.
5: We were, um, I just one thing, I was told last night that they were hoping that something might pop today about, especially for the baseball guys, because they want to know, my season done? Yeah. Or um, am I going to be part of this team? I mean, Keaton Anthony is one of the best players in the Big Ten. He's second in the country in doubles this year. He's got 22 doubles. Uh, and you know, he's one of the best best hitters in the conference uh almost certain mlb draft pick and he just wants to know if his his career's over his season's over what's what's next for him and um they, and i think they deserve that answer frankly you know before this weekend because i has got a huge series against michigan state uh this weekend and <laughs> you know they've they've really only got one catcher
1: yeah
5: two of the two of the guys that are in this are, are they're backup catchers
1: oh boy yeah
5: so it's
1: yeah. you know ice the knees <laughs> yeah
5: <laughs> no kidding
1: well tom we always appreciate your time great to see you my friend so, we'll talk you guys time.
5: take care you Thanks, got
1: thank you tom Kager. again the website is hawkeyreport.com uh it is the source for iowa hawkeyes news we go to it you should as well hawkeyreport.com tom caker is one of the great guys in this industry stay with us switch more to come after this you're listening to the big sports radio
0: network with larry smith mike kegley and
1: brad sturdy welcome back to the show larry mike and brad um you know we've talked quite a bit here about again with the uh the expansion uh, big big 10 taking on usc and ucla starting in 2024 and again, what that does to the PAC-12. Um, and so we've talked quite a bit about their the media rights or the lack thereof. Now, remember, uh, USC and UCLA made this announcement, and they did so uh, very strategically um, right before June 30th uh, of 2022. And the reason why is because they had to make that declaration uh, two years prior to the expansion of the PAC-12 media deal. Well, um, look, what happens when you take the two biggest programs in the PAC-12 out of the biggest market, Los Angeles, in the Pac-12, you have trouble getting a media deal. And, Mike, that has continued now. Um, Dennis Dodd, our friend from CBS Sports, doing some great reporting again, talking about ESPN, uh, looks like it's definitely out of uh, the running uh, as a possible media rights partner starting in
2: 2024. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe our show should cover uh, the, the the Pac-12. Maybe Maybe we can land a deal. Um, you know, the interesting thing is, is, is we always hear about a zero sum game and television rights has never been that way. Every year we're like, Oh, this is going to be it for the NFL. This is going to be it for the NBA. And then they break a record. Well, for the first time ever, um, when the big 10 and the sec scored bigger contracts, that actually meant that there was less money in the marketplace to spend on properties like the pac 12. And so to me, this is the first time I can remember a sport taking, you know, or at least a conference, you know, really taking a bath and, and maybe there's not an infinite amount of TV money. Now you're, you're a longtime TV guy. Are we finally finding that at the end of the rainbow, that pot has a, a limit? Well, I, I think
1: yes, because of the expansion of it. And, you know, there has to be a dollar value attached. You can't just say, hey, we'll give you money because you're the Pac-12. Um, for that money, what am I getting? And that's the same reason why you you didn't see immediate additional expansion um, by the Big Ten. when Everyone's talking about, oh, well, these other schools are left in the Pac-12. The problem is you couldn't find a media partner, even in an Apple Uh, plus you know, or or a streaming another streaming service to say, okay, yeah, we'll give you another hundred million dollars, um, for third tier games, you know, I mean, or or even lower. That's not there's no value for us, and so that's the problem right now is that so much again is more prime time, it's early, you have fewer eyeballs at 10 o'clock Eastern time on a Saturday night with football, and that's what's driving this. And so, yeah, I, I think that's exactly what the problem is is that you know, who is your marquee team? Well, Stanford and Cal aren't the power programs you had before. If you add San Diego State and SMU, okay, that's, that's great. They're attractive, but they're still not UCLA and USC. It doesn't guarantee you that Los Angeles market and those 10 million households. So um, so that's the problem that you have. There's no question um, about that. So the, the current deal, again, Fox and ESPN have it. It expires July 1 of next year. And uh, right now, again, this has been rocking on, um, really, for about 10 months now. This has been going on for quite a while. Um, everyone's had the conversation. It's really uncertain what happens here at the PAC 12 and what a huge loss for that conference. um, If they find, if they can't find a media partner um, or they've got to take really, you know, I mean, again, if you take 20 million per team, that's not a good deal. And you fall into second tier. When you look at the money that the big 10 and uh, the sec has been getting.
2: Yeah. Are they going to run into a situation where they go back to the old days where it's a regional deal? where you you have your local games broadcast around your state? I don't know.
1: I mean, that's that's possible. I mean, you may have something where you have, you know, we see Ion coming in, right, doing some deals with the WNBA, with Las Vegas uh, uh, Golden Knights, and that could be the case.
2: We Put this on your calendar, folks. When they sign the deal next year, you heard it here first from Larry.
1: <laughs> that's right. Brian Fonseca, the Rutgers insider from NJ advanced media is on the way next to talk Scarlet Knights here on big sports radio.
3: hundred people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500 stop worrying about your IRS problem We can help you, we promise.
4: Call the tax doctor right now, I mean right now, to learn more. 800-917-8546 800-917-8546 800-917-8546 That's 800-917-8546 Do you know someone with
3: a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol night Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover
4: everything. 877-927-3380. 877-927-3380. That's 877-927-3380. My muscles ached. I was tired all the time.
3: My son had a full-blown asthma attack. It came out of nowhere. The unsettling thing about some symptoms is... A fever. Headaches. You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. A reaction triggered by cockroach allergens.
6: I had West Nile virus from a mosquito.
3: Threats to your health can come from unexpected places. Mosquitoes, ticks, and cockroaches can make you sick. Get the facts. Visit PestWorld.org.
1: Sports Radio continues on our tour around the Big Ten. Brian Fonseca has been on the show before. He's a Rutgers beat writer for New Jersey uh, NJ Advanced Media, and he's back now to talk about all things Scarlet Knights. Brian, welcome back to the show.
7: I'm glad to be back on. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, good to talk with you. I know that uh, you have been a very busy man, as everyone has here this spring. Let's start with uh, with Rutgers football. In the spring game uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, how do things look for the
7: Scarlet Knights? They had a really rough go of it just because uh, it's the spring game, but it was winter weather, uh, You know, downpouring rain, lots of winds. Uh, so that made it tough for fans that wanted to come out. Uh, Rutgers had planned uh, this nice little boardwalk to be planted behind the end zones with a slide and some carnival games. They usually do that. Outside the stadium during game days in the fall, they wanted to bring it into the stadium in the spring to make a little fun atmosphere that was kind of ruined by the rain. And then there was, you know, a few thousand fans that kind of trekked out into the concourse and took the rain head on. Um, And then on the field, it made for a tough evaluation of everybody, right? The spring game is more so evaluation than anything. And uh, especially when you have a quarterback battle at Rutgers, that made it very difficult for everybody, really. I think the coaches have a better idea because they've seen these kids in 15 practices in much better weather. But for fans that were looking to get their first real look and insight into the quarterback battle, I think they might have left more confused than anything. So, um, but uh, yeah, I think Rutgers is in a, a decent spot coming out of spring. Uh, the spring game itself just was not, uh, not not ideal, yeah.
1: Um, and, and you're right, that's the one thing that that's the one day. Um, you know, you, you get some enthusiasm for, for the fall with the spring game and everyone says, oh, this kid looks great. Or like this quarterback and does give you a lot to talk about here in the next four months, uh, since that's still, you know, still is still up in the air, the quarterback battle. Talk about that in terms of, um, who is under center and, and, you know, who maybe had, do you think has the leg up to, to be the
7: starter this, uh, come, come September? So Gavin Wimsett is the incumbent, uh, Incumbent, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that, name, that word. Uh, he's the, uh, he started the last five games of last season um, and he's being challenged by Evan Simon, who started three games last year and was in and out as a backup. Um, I think just from the fact that he started and he was the higher rated recruit and he's kind of seen as the face of the program, a lot of signs point towards Wimsett being the favorite and Simon has to kind of overtake him. I'm not quite sure he's there. Um, he might have to have a big summer, big training camp to do that. Uh, Greg Schiano has been very, uh, as usual, very uh, um, coy publicly in terms of where the battle is. They both do good things. They both do bad things. Uh, I don't expect him to reveal anything publicly before training camp. I don't I don't think he's going to have a big reveal at big 10 media days. Um, but he did say that in the next couple of weeks after the spring game, him and his uh, first year offensive coordinator, Kirk Scirocco, will sit down them and the staff and discuss kind of where they're at. And he did say that he thinks they'll figure that out pretty quickly. I'm not sure if that's him insinuating they'll know quickly, if that's them kind of knowing where they stand. Uh, but the way I read it is they kind of know who they're going to go with. Uh, if I had to guess, if I had to put money on it, I'd say Gavin Wimpsett. Um, And they're going to have to hope that he fixed his uh, accuracy issues that he had last year. He was uh, Of all the quarterbacks in Power 5 football that had a decent amount of pass attempts, I think over 100, he was second lowest in accuracy last year. That's a big issue. Um, and he is healthier than he was last year. He dealt with a bit of an ankle issue. Um, and so that might help him kind of open his game up on the ground and run. We didn't see much of that in the spring game, but obviously that was weather impacted. Um, so he has a lot of room to grow a lot of potential, and it's going to be a matter of whether he can put that all together. And Rutgers is really going to need him to, because, um, as much as that offense struggled last year, unless they make some major gains in the transfer portal this offseason, I think they're going to, uh, have a lot of, uh, area to to fix uh going to next fall yeah
1: well i you know i think rutgers is in that um position that you hate to see any school in in terms of being in the big 10 east because you're dealing with michigan and ohio state to start and then throw penn state in there which is you know a, a powerful program um so it's it's one of those that where the west is kind of much more even there's no one dominant team you know you look at your schedule and right away you're like oh okay i've got these three powerhouses and then everybody else that i've got it you know so i mean what how does that change? Do you think um the, the attitude of 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 the team of coaches of fans? I mean, is it a is it a how is that in terms where it may be different with like a Purdue or an Illinois or a Nebraska where you know, hey, you know, you know, we, we may only play one of those, you know, the big two um every other season. Otherwise, we have a shot to kind of beat these other teams.
7: Yeah, I think there's no fan base in college full, and the big 10, at least waiting for this division to be split and kind of uh, change things up. Uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough for Rutgers. It's tough for every team, right. To play these two teams every year, as you said, but I, I think Rutgers fans are kind of sick of every year. You have two major losses penciled in, you know, every year you're going to get creamed by Michigan, get creamed by Ohio state. And there's no, you know, that happens to a lot of teams in the big 10, but just, it, it gets you beat down. I think, and a lot of fans are kind of tired of it. The uh, the bigger, Part is them not getting beat by Maryland by 30 points, not getting beat by Minnesota by 30 points. That's kind of the next step for the program. But I do think that every year, the Ohio State-Michigan game, whenever they host it, and even the Penn State game to some extent, uh, it's you lose on the field by a lot. You lose in the stands because they have a lot of traveling fans who buy a lot of tickets from, you know, uh, not apathetic. I'm trying to think of the word. Uh, Dejected Rutgers fans who maybe say, Hey, instead of going to watch Rutgers get their brains beat in, I'll make a couple hundred bucks off some guy from Columbus, right? Yeah. Um, so it's very, it's, it's a tough situation. And I think that it lowers the ceiling for a program that, I mean, Rutgers is not anywhere close to a Big Ten title contention yet. They're not close to that in that rebuild. But if you ever get to that point, that's a massive hurdle to have to overtake. So I think once they realign the divisions and kind of figure things out, it'll be easier. But that said, you still get. Teams like UCS, USC and UCLA joining the, the conference next year, which only makes things tougher. So um, this is the cost of playing big-time athletics. Uh, you're kind of in between a rock and a hard place, and uh, they have a long way to go uh, to close the gap anyway. But I think that playing one Ohio State and one Michigan per year will make things a little bit easier for for Rutgers.
1: We're talking with Brian Fonseca. He's a Rutgers beat writer for NJ Advanced Media and uh, always good to have his insights here on the show. You mentioned UCLA and USC. There is no existing big 10 school, uh, that will now have to travel farther to when you include these two schools than Rutgers, what's the conversation been like in terms of literally making a coast to coast trip, uh, when you have to go out and play the Trojans or the Bruins starting in 2024.
7: Yeah, I think, uh, my biggest question with that initially was just logistically, like how much more is that going to cost? How much more difficult will it be? Um, I'm still curious to see how the big 10 will manage the, um, I'm assuming you do one L.A. road trip per year. I can't imagine you make a Big Ten team do two. Uh, But basketball, for example, if you play USC and UCLA, both in Los Angeles, you're probably going to have to make those like a weekend trip the same way they make. You know, I think it's the Colorado-Utah swing and the Pac-12 is always one trip. They're going to have to figure that out. But I I talked to Rutgers AD Pat Hobbs, I think, shortly after the announcement last year, and he kind of said there's no real worry about that. Um, it, It helps that. The USC and UCLA joining the conference, creates a massive increase in media rights deals uh, and how much money each school is getting out of that. So I think the cost of flying a few extra miles is offset by the millions of dollars they're going to make because of it. Um, But I think we won't really know until it happens because uh, as much as difficult as it could be going to Lincoln, Nebraska, that's no easy flight. Going to California is uh, that's a haul. That's a haul. So um, we'll see how it works. Uh, Rutgers has flown out west. You know, in recent years they went to Washington in 2016. they went to Fresno I believe in 2014, 2015 uh, but to do that every year uh will be an interesting experiment um and we'll kind of uh it, it, it makes the, the the addition of UC USC and UCLA, it's already kind of strange to have to go to California every year is just a very massive culture shock I would say
1: yeah yeah so and I, that's why I still think that at some point and and I know I could be wrong there's so many other details involved in this that at some point you, there is a chance that by 2030, you do see another Pac-12 or West Coast team or two or more in the in the Big Ten just for the logistics part of it. Uh, it would make sense to have you know four teams out there as like a Western, you know, they, and also for them for them, you know. I mean, on the other way, I mean, they've got the two of them. I mean, we can talk about in you know the existing you know regular Big Ten now outside of you know maybe Nebraska and Iowa, but otherwise. They've got to they've got to fly East Coast how many times a year? So it's really on them. But you know they're almost tripling their money. So to your point, money 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 talks, right? Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little hoops right now. Um, you know, Steve Peichel, what he's done with Rutgers um, basketball is just outstanding. We have not talked to you since um, they they came out and um, um, you know were left out of the the field, right? Am I, is my mind correct? I mean, boy, it's been two months now. Um, went in the NIT and in the NCAA? Am I correct with that? Correct. Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, but they had had one of these seasons. And I, I think to me, I remember a Rutgers team um, in the eighties and nineties that was never a part of even the conversation. And even though the Scarlet Knights didn't make it in, I think it's still great that, uh, again, I have the impression, you know, before I check my notes, that they were a team that did make the field. And so just the fact you got Rutgers at that point um, is awesome. Talk about the offseason right now and, um, you know, and the reflection in terms of, what could have gone better this season and what they're doing this offseason to um, to make the next year better?
7: Yeah, it's tough, right? Because to your point, I think a lot of Rutgers fans for generations um, would have been thrilled to even be in the NCAA conversation. And I think even entering the season, last season, uh, people were hopeful to be in the conversation. The NIT would be a good result. But the thing is that when you're in the first week of February, you're tired, you're, you're alone in second place in the Big Ten. You are playing very well. You have a top five defense nationally, uh, and you're really – you're not a lock yet, which is a lesson I've learned. You can't call a team a lock until March, but you're not a lock yet, but you're pretty close. You have to have a pretty disastrous end to the season to get left out, and that's what happened to Rutgers. They lost – I believe it was seven of the last nine. They lost at Minnesota, Minnesota being the worst team in the conference by a mile, arguably the second-worst Power Five team or I major team in the country. Um that was a
1: bad loss, yeah.
7: It's yeah. a bad loss. You blow a 10-point lead in the last minute it's inexcus- inexcusable right uh so that's i think why the disappointment of not making the, tour- the tournament is there just because uh, you're so close and you let it slip out of your hands um but to looking forward uh, i think they're they have a, the, their off season has not been um horrible to this point i, I, I should actually make it more positive because they've lost three guys to the transfer portal who were all i don't want to say expendable because that's not a Right way to say, but they're guys they can afford to lose, and you can kind of see where they landed. Uh, Dean Reaver went to Charlotte, Oscar Pomquist went to Elon, Jalen Miller went to Oral Roberts. These aren't exactly, you know, high major powerhouses they're going to, is, is my point. They've had two guys enter the NBA draft, um, uh, conversation Cliff Amore and Paul Mulcahy, They both maintained their eligibility. Uh, Paul McKay, he's likely to come back. He hasn't announced anything. I think people will be surprised if he didn't come back. Cliff Omori, uh, my understanding, he's going to kind of take it all the way through May 31st, uh, the last day he can, and he's really weighing his options. I think if he comes back, it'll be a big bump for Rutgers, and if he doesn't, it'll be a pretty big loss because it will be very deep into the transfer portal. Uh, con- uh, you know, The transfer portal will be closed. I don't know how many bigs there are in the transfer portal that will even do anything close to what Cliff can do for his team. Uh, so that'll be a big... Uh, uh, wait and see mode for Rutgers. They're holding a scholarship for him and kind of just dictating what they're going to do based on what he decides. Yeah. Um, and they haven't lost anybody major to the portal yet, which is a major gain for a team like Rutgers. Uh, and they, they've they lost a commit, a high school commit. Bayondongo was a four-star kid, was committed since January. He decommitted, which is a bit of a loss, but they did get UMass transfer Noah Fernandes, uh, who's this uh, downhill kind of guard. They were really missing on the roster, so they filled a big-time hole there. Um, I would say... Rutgers is, at worst, even where they were last year, uh, likely even better at this point. And it depends a lot on if Cliff Amore comes back. If he comes back, they're in a good spot. If he doesn't come back, I would start to worry. Um, And uh, assuming nobody enters the portal between now and Friday, which is the last day, or the 11th, so Thursday, um, they're they're in good shape. And I think Steve Peichel has kind of earned the benefit of the doubt in that a lot of people didn't think he could make the tournament one time, twice, be in the conversation three times. Uh, I think that even if there is a setback, uh, Rutgers fans can kind of feel a little bit assured that he'll probably figure something out. Yeah, and in college basketball these
1: days, being old is everything, right? And if you can be talented on top of that, even better. And Amore is just, I think, one of the best centers in the country, not just the Big Ten. And I agree with you. I mean, he he's a difference maker. If he is back with this lineup and Paul Mulcahy, who has got to be 28 years old by now, he's just one of those guys that just, he's just, are you are you not done yet? You know, I mean, he's, he's always there and always just... Um, Kills every opponent he plays. He's such a, a thorough, complete, uh, great basketball player. Um, there's no question. You have to put Rutgers in the upper division preseason um, in the upper half of the Big Ten um, if those two are back. And like you said, I mean, it looks like that, that. you know, they they probably will be back. Um, before I let you go, I want to definitely want to get into um, nil teams. Some schools now beginning to kind of figure this out. Some better than other, others. Where is Rutgers right now in nil and? Um, and and you know, getting the funds they need from from supporters to be competitive in that marketplace.
7: This is a very interesting topic that um, I asked about a lot, right? It's the topic of the day in, in college sports. Yeah. I think it's difficult to evaluate exactly where they are in comparison to their peers because these things, as you know, are very like hush hush. No de- deals aren't publicly announced. We don't know who's getting what. We know that all the numbers we hear. Uh, You're know, talking to people are, are probably very embellished, right? Uh, everyone wants to say they're making more money, and then everyone that's negotiating wants people to think other people are making more money so they can make more money, etc. Uh, if only everyone was like John Ruiz in Miami who just says all the values out publicly, that would be nice. Um, but I would say Rutgers is in not not great shape, not bad shape. Um, they have a couple of collectives. One collective, the Knights of the Raritan, uh, has raised they raised a million dollars in a month in December. And they've, they've pledged to give every player on the football and basketball teams. So the women's and men's team, a deal by the end of the year. Um, now, the major thing though, is do they have a war chest that they can get transfers? They can get high level basketball, uh, high level high school players to come in. Uh, that is to be seen. I think you kind of tell that based on, you know, the results on the trail. Like you, we all know Arkansas has a massive war chest because they've gotten every transfer in the country, right? Um, <laughs> Rutgers Ruck, got a top five kid, and Ace Bailey committed in 2024. They're right in there with Dylan Harper, who's the younger brother of Ron Harper Jr., who's another top five kid in the same class. Um, it's tough to know how much nil impacts those decisions. It's very difficult to assume that Ace Bailey, or to believe that Ace Bailey, who was getting recruited by Auburn, who has a lot of money, and they probably offered it. They were really hard, hard after him. It's I, I don't know this for a fact, but I have to assume. Albert offered him some money. And it's hard for me to think that he turned down money of any kind to come to Rutgers, you know, across the country without something being there. I don't know what it is. I really don't. I don't even know if there is something, but just kind of context clues, I have to think there's something there. So uh, to answer your question, I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, that's something we'd all like to, uh, I'm trying to figure out, but I have to think there's something. I wouldn't say they're anywhere close to being the best in the Big Ten. I would say they're at best middle of the pack uh, and working to fixing it. Um, they hired a, um, all athletics GM. I think that's the direction a lot of these schools are going with, like they get a compliance person and make their entire job figuring out the NIL space. Uh, so they've kind of made a jump there. Uh, and now it's just a matter of continuing to making those steps and maintaining competitive. Cause if you don't stay in this NIL arms race and you get left behind, you're not going to be able to win anything in college athletics in the near future. Right. No, there's
1: no question. And I will tell you, your answer is not unlike the answer of many people we talk to, that it is it's this cloud over here that we know it's there and there's something going on behind the screen, but we don't really know what. And and you're right. The one that we do know, the numbers are embellished. It's funny what we hear about, you know, a player going into a school and then a player in the spring coming out. We've actually seen some players, you know, I mean, you know. Uh, there's an ACC school I won't name that that actually promised a kid a million dollars in the year one, and it wasn't anywhere close to that. And and the player left. You know he left left school before the season was out, uh, and NAL was a part of that. Hey Brian, we know you're busy. We appreciate your time as always. Uh, thanks, and um, well, let's catch up here this summer. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, man. All right, appreciate it. Uh, Brian Fonseca again he's the Rutgers beat writer with NJ Advanced Media. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter. Um, you know the name Brian, like the name Smith, is very common, so he makes it very unique on Twitter. He is brian f and that's b-r-i-a-n-n-n-n-f so brian with four n's and then f you can't miss him you can't miss him but he is the guy we go to uh for records news and we're so appreciative of that i'll keep it here this is big sports radio much more after this you're listening to the big sports radio network with larry smith mike kegley and brad sturdy our number two is here. Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley. Glad you're along for the ride as well as we get through this weekend together. Uh, you know, some tough news uh, from the basketball world and University of Louisville. The man who put that program on the map, Denny Crum passing away Tuesday morning in his home there in Kentucky, at just uh, 86 years old. Um, you know, guys, I mean, he's a guy that I, I, he's in the Hall of Fame back at 94. So certainly you can say he, he got his due. Um, but he was somebody that I, I just think was, again, one of those, those coaches from that era, the likes of which we may never see again. You know what I'm trying to say?
8: Yeah. You know, it is. He's one of those, he's like, I, I put him in the category of like a Dean Smith type guy, a guy that I, you know, you watched and you knew what you, you know, what you knew what you're going to get from Louisville. And when Denny Crum was there and he had some great teams, obviously, and great players, but I, I it was, it was great. I, I, it was just a, a time of, a period of time with those coaches where it was so much Um, It was so much fun. You'd watch a game and and the coaches were such and I know they are today, but I feel like more so back then the coaches were like the program because they were there for so long with, you know, with these guys. They were there for like many years. They gave them an opportunity to kind of build a brand. And Denny Crum was the Louisville brand.
2: Yeah. And and look, you know, he had such athletic teams that were fun to watch with the McRae brothers, never nervous Purvis. You know, Doctor Duncan Stein, but I go back to the the greatest college basketball game I ever saw, which was Louisville against Phi Slamma Jamma, and that was such an amazing game, and it was it was fun to watch him because in the heat of the action, you know, the guys trying to win the game, and yet you could tell that like there was like a he was also like smiling because it must have been so excited, so exciting to see that from the front row. Um I just thought he was one of those like and again we don't know I didn't know him personally but he kind of played the role of the gentleman coach um uh, you know he could get fired up obviously but but he really was you know as a kid you know it, what a great place I, I could see where a kid would want to grow up and play for Denny Crum.
1: Yeah, he was one great comment from Kentucky coach John Calipari who lost his only matchup with him when he was still at uh, uh at uh, Memphis State and and when Crum was winding down his career, you know, unfortunately Crum was forced out, um, you know, by the Louisville upper brass as they wanted to bring in Patino. His only losing season he had was, was then in that final year. Whereas ironically he retires at 64. Wouldn't his mentor also John Wooden at UCLA retires at 64, but you're right. Crum comes up, plays a couple of years after he transfers in from elsewhere uh, for uh wooden early on in the early sixties, comes back as an assistant coach later, uh, wins some rings and then goes to, to, to Louisville, and to your point, the only coach—it's only his only stop was Louisville. He didn't bounce around, and go somewhere else. I mean, that was it for him. Thirty years, six Final Fours, and two national championships. Uh, Denny Crum, uh, he will be missed. There's no question. Let's stay in the bluegrass state. Meanwhile, the Kentucky Derby was last week, guys, you know I was there, and it was just odd to kind of uh, go through and and you know do the natural uh, hosting and the things that I do, and part of the 150,000 people that were there. But the Paul cast over this, all of the. You know, first off, all the scratches. I mean, you only had 18 horses there. Um, you know, the winner, or the 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 favorite, Forte, scratched the morning of the race. We now know he won't be eligible for the preakness either because he's got to go through some protocols before he's allowed back on uh, onto the onto the uh, track. Um, but then also, you know, there were two more horses that died in the early races before the Derby, um, both suffering. Uh, one in the race number two is just a gruesome leg injury, had to be euthanized there on the track. Um, seven horses dying total in about a 10 day span, not all of them during, you know, because of the Derby, but other races, other things. Um, is is there a problem in horse racing? We know that horses do die in competition that happens. Um, or is this just something that just happens in horse racing that perhaps overall is underreported?
8: I think there's something there. I, I do. I'm glad they didn't euthanize me when I had my leg injury. I will say that um, I, I am <laughs> That's a
1: good, you could talk. I'm, no, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm
8: good. Let me, no, no, it's just, a, I can do this. Can,
2: well, Larry and I it. said, it was up to the doctor.
8: Good guy. So no, I, no, I think, um, no, I, I think there is something, an issue. I think they need to work on this. I, and I don't know what the issue is. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but there's clearly something wrong when this many things happen in the, the week of the race, but I also don't think like, it's like we need to ban horse racing. Maybe we just need to have a little more oversight, figuring out what's going on. I I'm still shocked. Like, do you know what's funny though? What comes up on your social media all week though, this week leading up to the Derby was I saw Secretariat run the Belmont, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness and the Belmont multiple times this week on social media sites because everybody like still talks about that dude. So yeah. one of the greatest athletes of all time, yeah. go Secretariat.
2: Yeah, and and I I I am not obviously a horse racing aficionado, but it does seem before people get too, you know, bent out of shape, you need somebody who's impartial or neutral to kind of investigate what happened and see if there's a cause that you can you can say, okay, we need to avoid X or Y or whatever it might be. You you want to make it safe on the animals. And and I don't feel bad at all to say that. You know, I, I think anything you can do to protect the animals that don't really know what's going on, I think that's fair, and and go through and try to figure out what the problem is and address it.
1: Yeah, there's no question. And horse racing, um, certainly on them now as they move forward into the, into the the Preakness next week in Baltimore, and then a couple weeks later, uh, the Belmonts uh, up in New York. So uh, there's no question about that. By the way, speaking of Secretariat, Big Red, as they call him, um, in, in Kentucky, um, his uh, there was a story done on his last living daughter out in pennsylvania a tv crew went out and did a story on her she's not much of a talker but there was a story done on her
2: thank you thank you yes yes
8: is it how does he still have all the records for the fastest times 1973 yeah
2: Yeah. this is
8: like bob beeman without the altitude or something like you know what i mean like it's it's crazy how long he's had that record for the fastest times in all three races
1: yeah they were saying that he he was so large that he, even his heart was like twice the size of a normal horse's heart. He was a huge
8: yeah. horse.
1: And horses are big. Um he just he just had just incredible strength. I mean, he's just, you know, like it was like Shaq who could fly,
2: you know. I mean fast yeah. Shaq. Speedy yeah. Shaq. Imagine that like Andre the Giant.
1: There you go. Um Hey, let's talk about legends. Deion Sanders legend on the football field out in Colorado folks. I'm just going to say it. They are losing their freaking minds in Colorado. Did you see where the sixth, the, the when in terms of teams and numbers of bets placed on that team to win the college football playoff, Colorado ranks sixth folks, Colorado is probably not going to win the Pac-12. I'll put my money on that, right?
8: No, do have like 28 players or something. Right. So <laughs> they still, still got to add like another 30 in the portal. So I I, I don't know. It's hard, to, hard for me to see them winning uh, the Pac-12. I, here's the thing. They're going to be more competitive. So he's yeah. brought in more yeah. talent. They're going to make them better. I mean, it's still a long way to go. I mean, you... USC is still in the Pac-12 this
1: year, right? More year, yeah, yeah. They're,
8: they're pretty good. I mean, that's a pretty good <laughs> program. They got maybe the Heisman winner quarterback. I mean, I, I don't know. It could be tough. It's not like all this other Chip Kelly at UCLA. They seem to be doing okay. So it's not like he's jumping into a place where it's just going to be easy peasy. So yeah, I mean, he's got some work, got his work cut out. And don't they have like some? Don't they have a tough opener too?
1: I think so. Yeah, I've I'd looked I'd at look this. I to look it up. Yeah.
2: Well, when I look at Caesar's Palace, it's a lot of uh, gamblers who lost money to build such a beautiful facility, and I think these uh, Colorado fans who are vo- who are voting with their pocketbook in Vegas for them to win the national title are doing their best to help the MGM Grand and and Caesar's Palace, uh, you know, keep that place looking spiffy, because yeah. I don't think that yeah. money's going anywhere else.
8: Okay, they open. By the way, they open at TCU. Then they play Nebraska, and they also then they play Colorado State, and then they're at Oregon and have USC at home. That's how they start. Right, <laughs> winning it all, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and then they end at Utah. I yeah. mean, you Piece know, of cake, right? yeah, And used yeah. to lay in the middle there. So yeah, really, I mean, it's yeah, <laughs> it's just. Just insane. Just insane. But yeah, I'm
8: going I'm to allow people to bet with me. I'm going to become a bookie now and I'm going to take all bets on Colorado to win the national title. Exactly. <laughs> give some Great odds.
1: Exactly. I want to say like what 251, 250 to one, I think it was. So, yeah. Listen, Dion did a great job at Jackson state. I didn't think he would. I I've already eaten my two plates of crow. Uh, I stand corrected. What a job he did. You ain't going from one at 11 to a national title in one year. Sorry. It'd be the greatest story of the history of sports if you did. It ain't happening. All right. <laughs> Keep it here. What is happening is more chat from us next.
3: Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it.
4: 800 448 828 that's 800-448-0828.
1: the show continues hope you were still having a good time uh, right now as we were talking uh, before about um you know the scandal a little bit in iowa right now things are kind of quiet uh on the northern front if you will up in wisconsin and to give us more on the badgers right now joining us is lance allen back on the show sports director from tmj4 in milwaukee uh lance good to see you again
6: great to see you larry as well mike's in the house as well Hail, hell the game's all here. I love it. <laughs> that's
1: right, exactly. <laughs> so, well, let's talk now. The Luca uh, Fickle era has begun. Um, you're through the spring now. Tell us uh, about Badgers football and, and how things look different from, from 2022.
6: Well, this will tell you the buzz, Larry, that's around the team. Uh, I've done two Q&As with him in the Milwaukee area, and obviously they want to increase their footprint, so to speak, in Wisconsin. So they've been making a conscious effort to come over to Milwaukee, to recruit Milwaukee a little more, all that good, fun stuff. The two Q and A's I've done with Luke Fickle on a stage for about 20 minutes, you could have heard a pin drop and the room was packed. So it definitely wasn't because of me or the interviewer or the guy asking the stupid questions. It was more about the subject and that was Luke Fickle. So that's one thing. And the other thing is, okay, so obviously both of you know cause you've covered college football for a long time but most teams decide that they're only gonna show you little glimpses of spring practice. So you have a, a handful of open practices. So we went over there probably about, I'm gonna say three to four weeks ago on a Tuesday and early in the morning, all it was was the most. Okay, I'm I'm a 52 year old man. I don't do any crazy TikToks and Snapchats, and I, I get I, I'm not a dinosaur. I can do social media, but I do the, I do the basic stuff. Okay, I know my lane. So what I do is the most basic social media posts that you can do: a shot on the scoreboard at 8:30 in the morning when practice started that says a new era of Badgers football. And it's got like a Rose Bowl trophy, a big 10 championship trophy, whatever, but that's all it says. So a pan of the scoreboard down to the field when they're just starting practice, they're literally doing warm-ups or whatever, 10 second video. I had 34,000 views on Twitter, literally like that, like literally within a half an hour to 45 minutes. And it was, I'm not going to, Fool anyone, it was not the most riveting video ever. You did not see Tanner Mordecai throwing a 40-yard bomb. You didn't see Braylon Allen breaking five tackles. It was the most simple video ever.
2: People are definitely energized and excited for Badger football. There's no doubt about it. So across the Big Ten, a lot of people want to know, is Wisconsin back now I know it's, it's early and, and you've got to adjust around the, the roster, but what are you thinking? You've covered, you know, you've been, you, obviously you were there, you know, going to college. So you know what the the, the Badger dominance has been, but what, what's the pathway that, that they're on right now?
6: So, so Mike, I'm also not a Homer and I'm also not a pom-pom waiver, So I'm going to give you an honest answer. Not Good. yet. Uh, not yet. I, I, th- I think eventually they will get there. But I will tell you my observations, whether it's the actual spring game, which they, they don't call a game anymore. They called it what the launch, you know, because they want it. Everything's now marketing and branding and all that stuff. And it's, you know, part scrimmage, part game. Um, you saw Tanner Mordecai struggle and we saw Tanner Mordecai struggle in the in the practices that, that we covered and that we attended. And so I think there will be times where they, the one noticeable thing in practice is the tempo is up. No doubt about it. They get on that ball. They're ready. It's almost like a no huddle, you know, for the most, most part, and they're going. And what they want to do is they want to go, go, go quarters one through three, and then wear you out in that fourth quarter. I think there are times where it's going to work this year. And, and there's times where defensively, they're going to be a a good defensive Badger team like what we've seen the last few years. And I think there are times offensively where they're going to struggle and we've seen them struggle in the spring. So I still think they're a little ways away. I would be shocked if they were completely in the equation, to be totally honest this year, because I still think they have to get the more Luke fickle parts and pieces in there, but they do have Braylon Allen. I think they do have some better wide receiver parts, so to speak. Um, and I do still think they have a, a very good defense. So th- I, I still think they will win probably more games than they lose. And they'll get off to a better start than what Luke Fickle had at Cincinnati. What was he? Four and eight, I think his first year, whatever. But overall, I think it's still going to take some time.
1: You know, tell me this, just putting a postscript on um, the Paul Christ era. And then you'll know, finish with, with Jim Leonard. What, what happened? I mean, this is a look, the Badgers program has been as consistent as any in the country. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, 20 years since the last losing season or something. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm off by a little bit, maybe, but I mean, but seriously, I mean, the last 20, 25 years have been out, have been outstanding for Wisconsin football. And this time last year, there were no signs that was going to change. What happened in, in September that, uh, that caused, uh, this thing to go off the rails.
6: Larry, you know as well as anybody, because you've covered sports probably longer than, than any of us on this Zoom and, and, and longer than most, is a lot of times it's not just one thing. It's like fingers on your hand. Like literally, You, you know, most of the time, you need all of the five fingers on your hand working in unison. And to me, just as an observer and things I've heard and things I've learned and things I've observed – um I would say some of the recruiting like there there were some Wisconsin kids that you know Barry Alvarez's famous theme was, hey, we're gonna we're gonna put a fence around Wisconsin. we're gonna put a wall around Wisconsin and and most of the top recruits from Wisconsin, if we love them and we want them, we're gonna keep them. We're not letting them go to Minnesota and Michigan and wherever else they used to go back in years past. There was a little bit of slippage there. Um, I think there was a little bit of not embracing the nil and the new social media and the new, you know, things that are kind of, you know, part of college football. One of the questions that I asked Luke Fickle up on the stage uh, during the Q and a that I thought was very revealing was, okay, you see these. They they call it the jump around thing, but it's literally like a bat signal. They will throw out a tweet on, on Badger's football Twitter account and, and see people jump around. And literally people immediately are like, whoa, you know, they're reacting on Twitter. And I said to Luke Fickle, I'm like, that's ingenious. You know, how did you become so adept at social media? He was quick to say, you know, he's almost the same age as me. He's 50 years old, 51 years old. He goes, no, 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 no. I don't know hardly anything about social media. I have someone that I brought from Cincinnati. We do this to announce a recruit or announce a transfer announce a whatever going on. He, he he maybe he doesn't know about it or maybe he's not fully aware of it, but he's aware of it enough or cognizant enough to know that I have to have someone. who who speaks to younger people, who speaks to a different demo. You know, no offense to Paul. Paul loved coaching the team. Paul was a brilliant offensive mind. I think someone would do themselves a great favor by having him be their offensive coordinator or helping them offensively kind of look at some things. But I don't think he wanted to deal with today's, you know, necessary social media, nil, all that other stuff. And then, yeah, it just – over time, we take it for granted that you roll the football out there and you win, what, eight, nine, ten games. I mean, to us, it was always a disappointment if they won seven and went to a low, a lesser bowl. So to, to speak to your thing, you're right. It was just a, an unbelievable
2: stretch of of really good football. You know, one of the, the, the prides of the Big Ten was Jim Leonard and his defense. And, you know, folks were kind of surprised that he was chosen to come on board, and then all of a sudden he – he decided to split ways. Where is he right now? And and is there anywhere that you think he could pop up? Because boy, if I needed a defensive coordinator, I'm hard pressed to think of anybody who I'd rank ahead of him.
6: Yeah. I, and that's a great question, Mike, because I think he has a young family, uh, you know, a few years ago, built a house, you know, on the in the suburbs of Madison, uh, a Wisconsin kid who grew up in the middle of nowhere, very close to where I'm from in Northern Wisconsin. So I've known Jim for a while. Uh, I uh, friend of mine is really good friends with his dad, all that good fun stuff. So he is a Wisconsin guy through and through. Uh, obviously, I think it hurt him that he didn't get the job. He really wanted the job. he's he's invested in the state in this job. And I think having a young family, he still loves Wisconsin. So for him to kind of just bite his time, sit there for a year, um, let's face facts, everybody, uh, and especially him, you have a contract, you have a buyout clause, you have a golden parachute, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he can sit back and collect his collect his check, collect his money, and kind of bite his time and pick what uh, a spot that he really wants to go to. And you've probably heard it, Mike. I mean, it, it's no exaggeration that he's had sniffs from, you know, Nick Saban in Alabama. He's had sniffs at LSU. He's had sniffs in the NFL and things like that for a good reason. That defense is exciting to play and they bring in athletes to play edge rusher linebacker whatever you want to say and they get after it and Zach Bond was one of those guys that you know a little bit undersized for the NFL uh, with the Saints but he was a quarterback and I covered him in high school Brown Deer High School in Milwaukee area and he was as close to a one-man team as I've seen in football and they you know he did play some defense but they said hey Zach we're going to cut you loose whatever and that that's what got him to the NFL was playing that position. So they put really good at TJ Watt. You know, I mean I'm I'm going to leave somebody out, but obviously they've had a number of everybody thinks of Wisconsin as like running back you, but they've had an unbelievable stretch of linebackers that have also played in the league.
1: Yeah, good point. Talking with Lance Allen, he's a sports director from TMJ4, uh the NBC affiliate in Milwaukee. Let's turn down to to basketball. Um boy, I once again another program for Wisconsin that that has been uh, the epitome of consistency of success. Um, you know, I, I joining Michigan as the only big 10 teams in the past decade to reach the title game. Uh, I can't think of anybody else. Um, forgive me if I'm forgetting it. Um, again, a season that going into basketball, they were ranked, you know, 14th in the country. Uh, when you turn the calendar into 2023 and just once again, went, uh, went downhill. Um Things going south and now, again, kind of a rebuild, it seems, uh, for Greg Gard and and Badgers basketball.
6: So one of the things that probably works against Greg, uh, to be honest, Larry, is Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle has not coached a game. He's not lost a game. He's not won a game. But everybody's in love with Luke Fickle. And now people, with what has happened previously with the football team, and then things immediately kind of shifted to what about Greg? Well, Greg was coming off being Big Ten Coach of the Year. That would be just a, a terrible look. Yeah, the season didn't go as as what they planned, but that would be terrible. Uh, did go fairly deep in the NIT, but that's obviously not their, their primary goal, especially with what they've done lately. Um, so yeah, it, it that actually did not help Greg. I don't think he honestly, consciously thinks of that morning, noon, and night. I think he's comfortable in his own skin now that he's, you know, obviously, uh, distance himself, you know, as far as like from being under Bo Ryan's shadow and things like that, and kind of established his own thing. Um, but obviously it, ha- it hasn't helped when you've got the sizzle with the football team, you had the problems with the hockey team, not to get too deep into this thing, but obviously the Granado thing did not work and people were like, okay, you know, maybe Macintosh's focus is there. And then if you're competing for championships all across the board, what about this? So I think this is a big year, no doubt about it for Greg Gard, not to put him on any super hot seat or anything like that. But I do think this needs to be a bounce back year Um, And I also think that you've got another team in this state. Now, Wisconsin beat Marquette last year, and it always seems like to me, and this is just me talking, is, you know, Marquette, Wisconsin, from the Golden Eagles perspective, it's almost like a championship game or whatever you want to say. Like, Marquette fans definitely want to beat Wisconsin and definitely want to see them lose a lot. Wisconsin, it's more like, okay, we want bragging rights, but we got a whole other thing to worry about, whether it's Big Ten championships or going going deep into the tournament. Now you've got Marquette – in any poll that you look at as either one, two, three, whatever you want to say, they're going to be pretty good depending on if Prosper stays in the NBA draft, which right now it seems like he is. So Wisconsin's got some work to do. The only thing I will say, Larry, is we've seen it time and time again because Wisconsin's been consistent. When they are ranked in expectations, they seem to not do as well. Uh, we there are people in in the student section who wear great guard silent assassin t-shirts for a reason <laughs> because when they're not ranked and when they got the chip on the shoulder and when nobody thinks that Chucky e. Hepburn's actually going to improve his game and hit a 3 or you know Tyler Walls coming back or or Stephen Crawl is going to did definitely take a leap in the NIT and sometimes that's underlooked and 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 not talked about enough is guys who really improve with those extra games even if it's a less quote unquote lesser tournament Uh, some of those guys did get better. Tyler Wall's ankle injury, not to make excuses injury-wise, did hurt them. And I do think that with lesser expectations, they've got some guys coming back. They could surprise some people. I don't think they're going to be unbelievable, but I think they could surprise some people next year.
2: And I think the Big Ten's open too. Mike, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, Big Ten's wide open. Um, You you got Michigan State is the one that I really look at for next year with that recruiting class. Um, but, But when you look at the rest of it, it's hard to predict now you know the transfer portal the one the one question I had for you Lance is how is Wisconsin doing and adapting to this new Nil world so good and bad uh, I would say are good and and so so um the good is that you know like
6: Greg guard for all the thought on the outside that he's more you know stodgy or maybe a little more like Paul Christ or whatever he he is he's been fine with the transfer portal. He, he goes and looks, uh, I think, uh, Andrew Rohde, the the, he was from Brookfield central from our area and he was up at St. Thomas in the twin cities area. I think they really liked him. Um, so it was a little bit of a disappointment that he didn't, you know, come to Wisconsin. Um, and, but I, I do think they use it and and use it when, when needed. Um, I also think I, I didn't mean to leave him out, but Connor Isigi, And you saw flashes of him last year as a freshman, freshman up and down, whatever, he'll be better. Um, so I do think that in some ways Greg has adapted in other ways, uh, I have heard certain things where we are in the Midwest and you guys know it as well as anybody, uh, you know, USC West coast or East coast or whatever, and kids talk, athletes talk. And when they can get, you know, tens of thousands of dollars at Wisconsin, but you can get low six figures somewhere else you got a little bit of an issue on your hands. So I think, you know, Wisconsin does have an M- NIL and a group of, you know, former athletes from, you know, Chris Marigos and, and Joe Thomas and whatever that are trying to help the cause. But I do think there are more steps needed
1: to fund the program even better in this NIL Wild West era. Yeah, we talk to so many people and we hear some of the similar things. Hey, Lance, always great for... the. For the knowledge and to get caught up and uh, on what's happening right now in Badger Country, enjoy the spring, and uh, we'll be ringing your doorbell soon to talk to you again.
6: Hey, summer camp's just around the corner, and hit me up. It's it's <laughs> going to be fall before you know. Wait a minute, we can't talk about oh, fall. No, no, it's even no, summer.
1: Shh, don't say that yet, <laughs> Lance. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. You guys,
6: take
2: well. care, Lance.
1: All right, Lance Allen, once again, sports director with uh, TMJ four in Milwaukee and always does such a great job, uh, but we didn't get to the Packers Mike. I mean, we, you know, he's, he's got that too. We'll, we'll get to him next time in terms as of, as a, as a
2: cowboy fan, I rarely get to the Packers. So yeah, I know you don't,
1: know, it, it hurts, but Aaron Rodgers is gone and we'll have to make sure we get him next time to talk about, you know, Jordan love now under center for the first time. He just like Rogers waited his turn. So, yep. all right. Uh, we got to get time out. Stay with us. Big sports radio. Much more after this. You're listening to the big sports radio network with Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, And Brad Sturdy. Last week, we talked about the uh, Big Ten teams uh, here in the spring sports that reached the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, After a a week, many of them have uh, been sent home. Women's golf, meanwhile, uh, Michigan State, uh, they actually won the Palm Beach Gardens Florida Regional. Florida Atlantic, the host down there. Northwestern also down in Palm Beach Gardens. And they finished fourth. So both the Spartans and Wildcats moving on to the NCAA championship round uh, defending champion Stanford is there trying to repeat as uh, champs in uh, women's golfing and one of the real powerhouses and uh, uh, there's no question about it in, in women's golfing in uh, the college level uh, men's tennis. Meanwhile, it's a three seed Ohio state taking on 14 seed Arizona that Saturday at noon Eastern seven seed Michigan playing 10 seed USC. And that's a four Eastern starting and that's in the men's tennis uh, suite 16 uh, women's tennis same two schools. Uh, Michigan, a five-seed versus uh, a 12-seed Virginia. Ohio State, a 10-seed, taking on uh, a seven-seed Stanford in that. So, again, congrats to all of them. And, again, the uh, men's golf is uh, is still underway, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that that, uh, next week. Several Big Ten teams um, are involved in that one. So, uh, pretty good story here, Mike. Uh, Coming up, um, uh, Brett McMurphy, one of the really solid uh, college football writers, working these days for the uh, actionnetwork.com uh, had a great story uh, in midweek here saying the big 10 is, is in his words, strongly considering um, no longer forcing teams to play a power five non-conference team. You'd think now with, um, you know, with 16 teams now in 2024, then um, you've got plenty of teams to choose from now.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think, look, it's a little bit of the SEC SECization. Of the big 10 schedule. You've got a a conference that's tough. You don't need to add to it by putting a potential loss opportunity. And, uh, you know, I, I can understand where it's coming from. It does two things. One is, is it helps you get the W's. And the second thing is it gives you more home games. So if you're playing, you know, if you're in a year that you have five, home games in the Big 10 uh, out of the 9 um you know you could you could then have three more home games against directional schools and you've got the ticket receipts and a sold out stadium and your fans feeling happy because you beat north you know northeast southern tech by you know <laughs> 80 points and you know your fans go away happy and you've you've got that you that revenue coming in as well. So I can understand why it's being done and what we will lose in preseason matchups. We will gain in, in a 12 team playoff where we might see uh, somebody come up from the South or the West and have to play in the Midwest in late, this late December, which will be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, You know, it's funny that uh, this past season, Michigan, the only school that did not schedule a power five non-conference opponent Uh, Second year year in a row they did that, and uh, and guess what? They reached the college football playoff both years. So uh, I smell a pattern (laughs) coming up uh, in Ann Arbor, no question about it. Interesting as well, Brett McMurphy, again, reading from uh, his great reporting this week. Uh, Only three programs in uh, 2023, this upcoming season, Northwestern, Ohio State, and Rutgers scheduled an FCS opponent. And after Notre Dame plays an FCC opponent for the first time uh, this fall, um, the only power five school that has never played an FCS opponent. And I know you have the same article, Mike, so I'll let you open the envelope. Yeah, that, that would be
2: the, uh, big 10 zone USC Trojans. It's impressive. Yes. I mean, you know, and, and again, um, that'll change. Uh, but the bottom line is, is the risk factor, you know, I guess the opposite side of the coin Is you would say, well, with twelve teams, we can afford a loss, but if the SEC is already playing directional schools, and you know, should the Big Ten, you know, do you really want to risk a big money bowl appearance? You know, having three or four teams is much better financially for a big conference to split that pool. So, so even getting a fourth team in is a huge, huge deal for these conferences. So, so I think you start protecting your flanks and getting more gate receipts at home. Yeah. And don't think that they haven't thought about that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do
1: you think about it? Uh, by the way, it should be noted that uh, each big 10 school, according again to Brett Murphy uh, ActionNetwork.com uh, reports that uh, each big 10 team has already scheduled a power five non-conference foe, In at least three of the next four seasons starting next year in 2024. So uh, they're already there. But yeah, to your point, uh, feel free to not schedule a tougher opponent because we'd like to get as many teams in that 12 team playoff, as Mike just said, as possible, because it's all about the dollars, dollar bill, y'all. That's what it's all about. (laughs) Hey, stay here. We are going to go to the movies. And uh, Mike, um, huge Marvel fan, if you haven't already caught wind of that. And he's going to talk about uh, his latest experience with the Marvel
0: They actually deliver on their promises. Call today for a free consultation, 303-957-3092. That's Neon Rain at 303-957-3092. Or visit them at neonrain.com.
4: 800 613 8053. That's 800 I don't want to a home. We a home. I don't
1: want to No, we haven't done it in a long, long time, guys. We haven't reviewed movies. Well, I tell you, you know, Kegley has been just, now of the three of us, Kegley is a movie guy. I mean, let's just, what do you, yep. probably what, eight or 10 movies a year you do? More than that,
2: uh, me? Yeah. Oh, good lord! No, I go to dozens of movies. I'm yeah, I mean,
1: it's it's like one or two a month,
2: right? I mean, it's oh there. yeah, at least yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a platinum Cinemark member, so those those people at the Cinemark theaters and that is uh, headquartered down in Dallas, I'm I'm your guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, there are worse habits to have. There are worse worse crutches to have. So, yeah. All right. Well, lead us off, movie boy. Um, You you get the you get the special on the popcorn. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, You you just saw what is this like part pie? I mean, yeah, this is this is
2: volume three. Okay, and really, this this one was Rocket's story. So, those of you who have watched those movies, this one really gives you the background of Rocket Raccoon, and uh, this this would go through his origin. Mike,
8: I thought I thought he was a rabbit. Isn't yeah, exactly. What, we found Thor-
2: out what we found out what he was definitively. Oh, okay. Uh, in the movie, so there's Thor, your spoiler. Thor alert. called
8: him a rabbit. Thor called him rabbit.
2: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know the bottom line is is, folks, this is a spoiler alert. But Rocket Raccoon is a raccoon. So there we are. But I think I think what was interesting in this is James Gunn, who is directed all three of the Guardians movies, and now he's going to build the dc universe after coming off of suicide squad and the peacemaker series on hbo max he really found a way to take this movie and give you the the final adventure of this group of guardians and the final adventure was to be united to help their friend who was at death's door which is rocket raccoon now, there was a couple things that I, I thought were really funny in this movie. One is James Gunn continued, and I don't know if you noticed this, Brad, but he continued his fluctuation of people's powers. So at one point, Drax, you know, it can just like exchange punches with people with mo- no big deal. And then later in the movie, he can break down an armored airlock with the same amount of effort that he would punch out a guy roughly my size. So I thought that was kind of interesting trying to figure out, you know, where his powers are. Is he as strong as the Hulk or Spider-Man or that, you know, Stan Lee? I don't know. Um, (laughs) And then I think the other thing that we saw that was, that was really interesting is we saw that any superhero movie, what do you guys think is ultimately determines how good a superhero movie is going to be. I don't know, Mike. That's the wrong guy. Yeah. It's, it's the villain. Oh, if well, the sure. Villain, if the I, villain is good.
8: You're, you're right. Because it, I will say this. That's why the, the greatest villain in these superhero movies that I've seen is Thanos. And that's yep. why those were great. Yeah, because exactly. Because Thanos was an excellent villain. Because he was kind of a, he's a torn villain, right? He's like, he's not all bad or all good. He's like. there's some you know it's like he has a goal that's positive
1: yeah
8: just happens to kill people to get there so right right exactly you know it's
2: like dude instead of killing half the people you could make the universe double the size hey there we are but hey you know that's that's Thanos, a little different um but this one has a guy a villain the high evolutionary and all he wanted to do was create genetically engineer the perfect race he just wanted to have a, you know, like a, a place that he was going to create his own Garden of Eden. Hmm. And boy, does that turn out to be a bad thing for a lot of people.
1: Well, it usually does. Uh, even yes. in real life. I, I, yes.
8: I remember uh, there was another a, an Austrian guy who did something there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Maybe, may add uh, similar type thing. And yeah, It wasn't exactly. very nice either. It, hey, it, By the way, how did it, how did it segue, Mike, I got to ask, how did it segue from the Christmas special? was Kevin Bacon in, did Kevin Kevin Bacon have a cameo or anything
2: he he was not that I saw in the movie although uh, the 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 funny thing about that was is is I guess they kind of filmed them roughly at the same time you know and so if you have Disney plus normally these type of things are pretty much garbage but the the Kevin Bacon um, Christmas story of the guardians of the galaxy was truly entertaining. And this movie was very good, but I will warn people. They have some scenes that ta- that, that really kind of depict animals being tested medically. Yeah. And, um, it is very intense and, and very uncomfortable that I actually think if you had small kids might scare the snot out of them. Because it was, you know, you think about what we do, you know, to test animals, you know, put, you know, cologne in their face to see if they can, how they do and all that. But this is, this, this goes to a lot deeper levels. And, and there were some parts that I I looked at my wife and I go, this is way more intense than I expected from a superhero movie.
1: Yeah. Well, I will tell you, um, less intense and uh, less threatening was the movie Air um, on how Nike Landed Michael Jordan. I thought it was really well done, except reading later, um, it wasn't so much Sonny Vaccaro, who in real life made the trip to North Carolina and it was the one thing you got to get Michael Jordan. It was actually the other guy, Rob Strasser. Um, But Rob died, and then Rob's partner, the creative guy who created the Jumpman logo and created the Air Jordan shoe, also recently died. And so the last of the three was Sonny Vaccaro. So it was certainly told from Sonny Vaccaro's point of view which is what hollywood tends to do but still i highly recommend it i thought ben affleck was a great phil knight he's just got phil's quirky mannerisms and it's a reminder too of like nike was nothing in the basketball world before then i mean now they you know they control everything but what might have happened if he'd gone to converse or to adidas
8: how would the world be different? Yeah. The world of sneak, not just sneakers, but I mean like the whole world of basketball would be different, I think, Yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Cause that was the big thing. I'll be honest with you. Like when I was in high school may have been during that time and, and we wore converse and we oh, had, yeah. the, we had those converse with the colored different colors, you know, like, you know, whatever they were Navy and white or black and it matched like what they had in college, you know? Yeah. So that was like the new thing. And then, of course, I, by the time I went to college, I had Air Jordans galore. Lots of yeah,
2: them. When we were in high school, it was the Nike legend or the Adidas top 10 that we got to pick from. You know, one or the other. I was a Nike legend guy. I want to know, Larry, who played Michael Jordan? Because that's got to be the plum role of, of the world. Say, I played Michael Jordan.
1: It's funny you asked. He was never shown. He was only in a couple of scenes, mm-hmm. and they intentionally blocked his face. You yep. never saw the actor who played Michael Jordan in it, but Matt Damon plays Vicaro, although he looks nothing like Vicaro. Right. Uh, but yeah, but that's the uh, uh, um, um, oh my goodness, why am I drawing a blank? Um, scan uh, uh, how to get away with murder. The actress, she's outstanding. Why am I drawing a blank? She played she played Michael Jordan's mom.
2: Oh yeah. I know who you're talking about. And now I'm,
1: now I'm blanking. So I'm drawing a blank. I'm going to look in the commercial break. Her name. I'm I'm so embarrassed. I can't think of her name, but she was outstanding. She was one of my favorite actresses. She was great. Uh, it was awesome. But yeah, guys, when I was a senior in high school, I was so cool. I had some Converse high tops that were customized so I could, I could, un, I could unlace them and drop in blue
8: Oh yeah, you could slide those yeah. And then ah!
1: the red, and then the white, and then the silver baby so I could customize into what I was wearing.
8: You're a big time.
1: Big time, baby. My Jordache jeans and my Converse, je- I had the belt, and I had a Jordache belt that would match the shoes. That yeah. All right, so we're going to stop there. A little too much information. Guys, I started wondering um what I was doing back in 1980. Okay.
8: Yeah, I'm starting to wonder now.
1: Yeah, movie review. There we, we've is. long we've long wondered, Larry wondered what uh what that was all about so yes. pear- and i came out to better man on the other side uh all right <laughs> more conversation next <laughs>
4: That's 800-363-7934. Paid for by Legal Alert Line.
3: The first 100 people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500. Stop worrying about your IRS problem. We can help you, we promise. Call
4: the tax doctor right now, I mean right now, to learn more. 800-917-8546. 800-917-8546. 800-917-8546. That's 800-917-8546.
0: You're listening to the Big Sports Radio Network. With Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, and Brad Sturdy.
1: Well, no matter uh, what's going on with you in uh, in in your world this weekend, at least you're not Bo Jackson. Uh, Bo knows hiccups, and as a result, he's going to have surgery, Mike, for the hiccups.
2: Well, I, I, you know, first off, it's a, it's a story that's kind of funny, but then you you find out that he's had hiccups since last July. Yeah, I mean. I mean, seriously, he basically he could have had a baby by now. I mean, that's just that's just an unbelievable amount of time to have the hiccups. I get annoyed if I have him for more than a couple minutes. Sure. Yeah. And and then you look at like I also, you know, I mean, we could all volunteer to scare him. Um, but that doesn't <laughs> seem that doesn't seem to work, you know. Problem I mean, is
1: Bo's hard to scare. That's the problem. Yeah,
2: yeah, but Bo ain't Bo ain't but <laughs> Bo ain't scared of anything. So yeah, and and you you feel sorry for him, but like, what a what a horrible thing to be doing that, um, you know, for for eight nine ten months. Jeez yeah,
1: grief. yeah. And he even said he's he skipped some events. He did not some appearances he normally does. He didn't do because uh, because of this. Uh, the drama finally is over. I know you've been uh, waiting with bated breath, but LeBron James Jr., known as Bronny has uh, finally chosen his school. It's not Oregon. It's not Ohio State. It is USC. So he'll be staying in his uh, present home of Los Angeles and playing for the Trojans.
2: Well, I mean, I would guess your NIL funds are much stronger if you're right there next to home. Um, Not that he needs it, but, you know, I I do feel sorry for him because he's a good basketball player. There is no doubt. He is not a five-star, at least not right now. Maybe he'll develop into it but I worry that he's going to be pushed by, you know, his, maybe his dad public opinion to go to college for one year and then try to go to the NBA. He's a talented guy. I don't think he's a one and done talent and you know, it's just let him live his life. He's not his dad.
1: Well, and that's the thing. He's, he's, he's a much better basketball player than Michael Jordan's kids. Yes. And and we know how that turned out in terms of just, um, you know, Jeff walked on in Illinois, then later transferred to Central Florida to play with his brother, Marcus, who went down there as a four star. Um, and and but again, just the, you know, the stereotype of being, you know, the son of, of you know, a candidate of the goat, you know, and uh, of, of a goat. and And you're that son. It's just tough. Uh, and I'm with you. He's a very, very good player. Let him play. Let him live his life and let him be 18 years old. Um, the Big Ten making some moves. Okay, so next year, 2024, the college football playoff uh, finally rightfully expands to to to, to 12 teams. Um, so you're going to have more Big Ten teams very likely in it. So we had Michigan, Ohio State this year, but you could have maybe a third or who knows, maybe even a fourth in some years. Um, they're already making some moves. Some of these stadiums, some of these schools improving their stadiums, getting ready to host a playoff game in December 2024.
2: That is uh, so cool because, again, being old, I have spent my entire life saying, well, let's see how UCLA does against Illinois in December in Champaign. And for the first time ever, the West Coast teams and the Southeast teams may have to go play in in some cold weather to see uh, how they do. I am so excited to see that. And I think a lot of this is this is how you run a good business is you think of stuff ahead of time and you you plan for it. And then when it happens, you know, uh, in in uh, 2024, they'll be ready and, and ready to knock it out of the park. So I, I think I think it's an excellent foresight. And um, I, I, as a fan, you can't get me to that 12 team playoff fast enough.
1: Oh, I, I, I think there's no question. I mean, again, you take a Georgia and Alabama and put them at Michigan at Ohio state in December um, when they haven't, you know, I mean, you know, the coldest they're going to go is maybe Missouri in November. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, seriously, it's, you know, I I think it's a great equalizer or up at Penn state, you got to face a hundred thousand in happy Valley, um, you know, and and the wind chill is eight, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a great equalizer. I think it's great. So uh, once again, uh, there's no equalizing that, the 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 service we provide you each and every week, but at that time has now come to a close. We appreciate everyone's coming by. Uh, boy, great to talk to Tom Canker about the whole Iowa thing. We'll be watching the scandal there. But for Brad and Mike, I'm Larry. As always, enjoy the games and enjoy this weekend. We'll see you right back here. Same station, same time. Till then.
0: This has been a presentation of LMBC Sports LLC and Revision Sound. We'll be back next week on Big Sports Radio Network.